You're listening to The Riverwalk, the preaching ministry of Beth River Baptist Church in Winsboro, Louisiana. Today we're going to continue talking about what is worth fighting for, and today we're talking about the godly, God-fearing man. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy. We are going to still be in Ephesians today, in Ephesians 5 and 6, and I hope that you've enjoyed this sermon series as much as I have, as we have been walking slowly through the book of Ephesians, trying to equip ourselves for spiritual warfare and discovering what exactly is worth fighting for, specific targets that I believe the devil himself comes against in an effort to stop the work of Christ. This has all been based on Ephesians 6.11 where we're told to put on the whole armor of God and then Ephesians, Ephesians 6.12 where it's stated that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I want you to remember you can always go back and Part of technologies, you can go back and listen to these podcasts of the things we've talked about in the last couple of months now. The first one we mentioned from Ephesians 4 was about the church, how the church is so very worth fighting for. We went on and talked about the new man and the new woman, how it is a fight to live godly, but the new man or the new woman is worth fighting for. We talked about being imitators of God, the father-son relationship with God himself, how that's worth fighting for and how it's a hard fight. And We talked last week about the godly wife or the godly woman, how much our women are worth fighting for, or how much your relationship with the Lord is worth fighting for women. And today we are going to go on to number five, and like I said, I kind of spoiled it last week, but... Working towards marriage, part of a marriage is a man and a woman. Today we're going to move on and start talking about the godly man. And we're going to read part of what, well basically what we read last week with one other verse. And it's in Ephesians 5.22. But you'll see that the godly man listed here is listed as the godly husband. The leader of the household. It's the passage we read last, last week like I said and we're about to read it again. And I think you'll see the emphasis that Paul has here on the importance that Paul saw in a godly man. And I hope you leave here today as a man. I hope you leave here as a man today feeling encouraged. I hope you leave here as a man realize, realizing the importance you have in the society. And if you're a woman here today, if you're a woman married to a godly man, I hope you'll leave here today loving your godly man. If you're a single lady today, I hope you'll leave here today knowing that if your intention is to be married, that you need to find a godly man. And I hope you'll leave here as a church member knowing just how important the godly man is to our church and to our society. So let's read what Paul has to say about marriage and about godly men. He says, Women submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loves the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present to her himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. 
So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And then I'd like you to turn over to the last chapter, and I just want to read one more that one more verse that involves men. And it's in verse four. He says, And you fathers, and you fathers, you men, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So as you see here, I mean I don't see how you can deny that a godly man is so very valuable. It's so very valuable. And in today's time, it was hard to find back in Paul's time in Ephesus. But today's time in America, here in Franklin Parish, even here in Liddyville, I will share with you as a pastor, it is very hard to find a godly man. And I can't even imagine for you single ladies, it's hard to find a good man. But I'm not talking about a good man today. I'm talking about a godly man. And I think it's hard to find because Satan... Satan himself has his eyes on the men. Why is it worth fighting for? Why does Satan care about going after the men? I want to tell you that, that this is all about leadership. At the end of the day, when you get really down to it, this is about marriage. This is about the family. But it really comes down at the root of it. I believe it comes down to leadership. Christ is the leader. Christ is the head. And under him is the husband. And I want to tell you, all these children you saw here this morning, all these children you heard sing, all the children you see at your schools, all the children you see out in the world, on Facebook, wherever you see this, I want you to understand that your children, your grandchildren, your teenagers, and even you, we're all being led somewhere. We're being led by somebody and we're being led to somewhere. And if it's not towards a relationship with Christ, it's towards somewhere else. And men, it, it's not always fun. It's not a great call. But the truth is, men are called to lead. And what do leaders do? Leaders lead. And any, any soldier will tell you, I bet if George Adam was here, and I bet Brother John could tell you this, I've never served in the armed forces, but I know enough to know this. If I was going into battle, I, you better believe I would have my eyes set on the leader. I would go after the general because I know if I could get the leader, I could get those that follow the leader. And this isn't just a church thing. This isn't just a biblical thing. Everybody knows this stuff. From our own U.S. Department of Justice, fatherless homes count for 63% of youth suicides. Fatherless homes count for 90% of all homeless and all runaway use. When you talk about behavioral disorders, 85% of all children that exhibit a behavioral disorder come from fatherless households. If you want to look at high school dropouts, let me see what that says. 71% of all high school dropouts, guess what? They come from a fatherless home. What about the juvenile detention rates? You go to a juvenile detention center, 
and state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. Nobody's leading the children. Substance abuse, 75% of adolescent patients in substance abuse centers come from fatherless homes. And this this is one of the most heartbreaking ones to me I could think of. 75% of, of rapists that say they're displaced by anger come from fatherless homes. And I just want to tell you, you know, I know this, you know this, the United States knows this, all the doctors knows this, and the devil knows this, and the devil loves to take out the godly leader, the one that should be fighting the most for the children is so often not present because he can step in and he can have the greatest influence. Now, don't get me wrong, like I said last week, women and mothers have great influence. So much so that usually women influence the men to go somewhere else. But in the long-term effect, in the long-term, studies have shown that men have a greater long-term effect onto the church than women. I mean, if you go look at at church statistics, if both the mother and the father come together, 33% of the children will end up as regular churchgoers. Isn't that amazing? It's like Paul knew this 2,000 years ago. 41% will end up attending irregularly, and only a quarter of their children will end up not practicing at all. So if they're both coming together, odds are the children will stay. But if the father is irregular and the mother comes by herself, then only 3% of the children will become regular churchgoers. 38% will be totally lost. If the father is non-practicing and the mother regular, only 2% will become regular churchgoers. And listen, I could go on with stat after stat after stat, but the point is the devil knows. The devil absolutely knows. If he can keep the man out of church, if he can keep the man out of the home, then likely one day the children will follow suit. And listen, there's probably many, many, many other reasons I didn't even look at the statistics of, you know, all that's happening with with marriage in the world today. I didn't look at all that's happening with how somebody identifies their gender. But I would bet, I would almost bet anything, all that comes from the man not being present. But just for those two reasons, just for the impact a man has on his family and the impact a man has on his church, Christian men, we should get in the fight And we should see godly men as one of the greatest attributes the body of Christ has. And part of that, part of realizing that, is realizing just how hard we men have it. Part of that is realizing that, hey, if we're the leader, the devil is coming after the leader. The devil wages war on men in all sorts of ways. So if we're going to get in the fight, we need to know how to fight. How do we fight the devil? How do we fight for our godly men? And I said this last week about women, but I think we need reminded too about men. We need to realize their worth. Or if you are a man, if you are a man today, you need to realize your worth. And I want to tell you, men, your worth, your worth isn't in your bank account. Your worth is not in a four-wheel drive truck. 
Your worth is not how many big bucks you have killed, how many ducks you have killed. Your worth isn't how many beers you can drink. Your worth is right here found in Ephesians. Your worth is being a Christian leader, whether you have a wife, whether you have children or not. Because all these children sitting here today, they are looking for a godly man to role model after. And listen, the devil realizes that, and that's why he comes against you so hard. Single ladies, let me just tell you, please, please, please let this in Ephesians 5 be your standard. Don't settle for a man that Christ would not have you submit to. So many times we read this and we miss the point. This is for a Christian family. I don't think God expects you as as a single lady or as a a wife married to a non-Christian to submit to that person. This is for a Christian wife to submit to a Christian husband. So if you're starting off with a husband, if you're starting off getting into a marriage with a man that, that Jesus would not have you to submit to, you're starting off on the wrong track. This passage, Paul clearly compares the godly man to Christ himself. He even uses the term in verse 23, the Savior of the body. Man, can you, can you get any more important than that? And man, that is a load. That is a load on a dad. That is a load on a pastor. That is a load on a deacon. That is a load on somebody that's a teacher. That's a load on somebody that, that goes to work. But that is where, that's just how worthy you are, man. Just how much you're worth. And I look today and I see the devil coming against the man in all sorts of ways. I mean, today, how we define manhood It's just, it's it's an absolute joke. When we think of a man, when we think of manhood, we think of something so polar opposite from Jesus Christ. It's not even funny. We say it's not manly. It's not manly to love your wife. It's more manly to to treat your wife like like a slave, really. It's not manly to, to be there for your children like we're called to do. I mean, hey, you want to be the cool dad. You don't want to be the dad that it's mentioned in Ephesians 6, 4 that trains them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You're more manly to take your dad, to take your kid and let him kill that first buck than to take your kid to the church and take him or her to the altar. Man, the devil, he's got some crafty tricks, doesn't he? And it's certainly not manly to love your enemy or to turn to the other cheek. It's not manly to forgive your friends, much less your enemies. And it's certainly not manly to ask for forgiveness and admit that you're not perfect. And I tell you, the devil, if he appeals to one thing to man, he appeals to man's pride. The devil appeals to your pride and he keeps men from their knees. He keeps men from the altar. And ironically, it's the most ironic thing in the world to me that the devil uses a man's strength against him. Isn't that just the craziest thing in the world when you think about it? One of the things that, that, hey, I pride myself on as a man, I like to think I'm strong. I like to think that I'm in it to win it. I like to think nobody's going to come against me. But the truth is the devil comes against me and he comes against you and all the time he wins because he uses your strength against you. Let's use our strength against the devil. Let's say, no, devil, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. 
No, devil, I know this stuff looks good. I know it feels good, but I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful to my Savior. I'm going to be faithful to my wife. And I'm going to be faithful to my children. I'm going to be faithful to my church. And that takes a greater strength than anything else the world has to offer. The devil tries to set your eyes on anything except Jesus. So listen, I want to tell you men... I know, I know how hard it is, but I want to tell you church and I want to tell you women, I want to tell you children, when you see a man making a stand against the world, you need to embrace that man and encourage that man. When I was a teenager and I said I felt led to preach, I had, I had friends that, that went to church with me, that went to church with me and used the term preacher in a derogatory fashion. These were supposed to be Christians. They shouldn't have been putting me down. They should have been building me up. Shame on them for doing that. So listen, when you see a man that's trying his best to make a stand against the world, you need to get on his team and you need to give him a pat on the back. He goes on in Ephesians and he talks to wives. And I want you wives to really understand this. And, and you might not all have this, but if you do, if you do, wives, if you have a godly husband, if you have a godly man in your life, if a godly fiance even, a godly son, you need to realize what a valuable asset you have in this world. I mean, you just heard all the statistics I read. This little word submission, that, even, that shouldn't be any issue at all. This is a voluntary submission. It's realizing that that godly man is doing the hardest thing in the world. It's clinging to Jesus when all of his friends and many times all of his family is doing the exact opposite. He's clinging to Jesus when his, his, his flesh wants him to cling to everything else. And he's doing it not just for himself. He's doing it for you and your children. Why would you not want to follow and submit to him? It's not an ugly word, and it's not an ugly instruction. It's a beautiful thing, and it is an instruction. And if he is following God's instruction on his life and his family's life, I assure you, I absolutely assure you that he has your best interest at heart. So I want you, I want you to understand what... Whatever your role is in the family or in the church, whether you are close to a man or not, don't be the devil's tool. Please don't fight him every step of the way. Does it mean you always agree with the man? Does it mean the man's always right? Does it mean that, that the man doesn't fall? No, it doesn't mean that. But you know, you, you can criticize a man without tearing him down. You can criticize a man in a way that builds him up. It's, I mean, we even have a term for it. It's called constructive criticism. If the man messes up, and I do, Carissa knows I do. But if the man miss, messes up, well, then, then criticize him, but do it in a way that's constructive instead of tearing him down. Listen, the man has it hard enough. He doesn't need to be torn down. He might need to be brought back to reality. He might need to be reminded of who the head of him is. He might need to be reminded that, that he's got to an answer to a Savior one day. He might need to be reminded of how important you are to him. He may need to be reminded that he needs to spend time with his children. 
But all of that can be done in a constructive way. Remember, men aren't perfect, but they are so very important. Last week I, I said to, to honor your, your mother, well, the same thing goes to honor your father. And I just want to share with you this morning, if you are one of the few one of the few who grew up with a godly father, you would do really well to just call him and thank him. Because our society is greatly, greatly suffering with people who have not had the instructions of a godly father. Paul even mentioned this in, in Ephesians 6, verse 2. He says, Honor your father and mother is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on earth. Once again, talking to a godly family. Honor your mother and honor your father. Listen, if you want to be there for the men, you should listen to him and follow his instructions. Don't talk back. Don't realize and realize. And listen, you young people, you need to understand this. We're not called to be the cool dads. We're not called to give you your first beer. But trust me, you do not want the cool dad. You want the godly dad. And I want to tell you, the godly man will probably, and I'm assuredly, try to keep his children away from sin. The godly man probably will have a serious problem about the way his daughter dresses. The godly man will have a serious problem with the friends his son keeps. The godly man will have a problem with the kind of music that his children listens to. And the godly man will have a problem with how late his kids stay out at night. My grandfather told me one time, nothing good happens after midnight. And my, my dad made it a little bit earlier than that. But listen, the point is, we're not called to be cool. We're called to be godly. A godly dad will have standards with the kind of people you hang around and that that might seem to stink to you but i want to tell you that's not a bad thing that is a good thing because there is people that you don't need to be around there is people that jesus would not have you be around and there are things that jesus would not have you do and the godly father will take his leadership role seriously and he'll try to keep you from that and men don't feel bad because let me tell you my dad was not successful 100 percent of the time and you probably won't be either you know, we men, we're, we're such simple creatures. We don't, we don't need a whole lot. In verse 33 in chapter 5, I think this, this is really a good idea. It says in the New King James Version at the very end of the chapter, he says, let the wife see that she respects her husband. In the old King James, it says reverence. But of all the men I've ever spoken to, it seems to me that this is the single thing that they crave for the most as they just crave for a little bit of respect. And I think Paul, I think Paul knew this. I don't think, I don't think that man expects 100% agreement. I don't think that man expects everything to be perfect. But man, men crave respect. And you don't have to agree to respect. But you should respect his decisions even when you disagree. You're not respecting your man when you're talking down to him. Children and wives and church members. You're not respecting the men when you're bad-mouthing, when you're gossiping, when you're slandering, when you're sending them degrading text messages. Listen, that is not respecting. That's, that's quite the opposite. You're not respecting the godly man by going around and doing things behind his back. And church, I just want to tell you 
I'm so blessed by this church to have godly men and we don't need to do anything, anything to drive the godly men away. We need to get more. So church, respect the man. If you have a problem with the man, even if it's myself, address him with respect. We need more and we don't need less men. And lastly, if you want to get in the fight and you want to fight for godly men, if you want to really fight for godly men, and we all should, we need to pray for our men, our men. Each and every man here needs praying for. And, and quite frankly, each and every man that is not here needs praying for. And you might be here this morning and you might not have a godly man. You might have an apathetic man who is godly but doesn't care about Christ and his church. You might have, it could be a million situations, but you should pray for that man. Pray that that man will stay godly. Pray that he will stay strong. Or pray that he will become godly. Pray that he will find Christ for your sake, for your children's sake, for America's sake. And listen, maybe everything is just hunky-dory at home. Maybe everything is great. Maybe you're following this as good as you can follow it. But listen, we should go further than that. We should pray like we've never prayed before that men will step up and lead their homes like Christ leads the church in a loving, sacrificial way. When was the last time you prayed that way? When was the last time you prayed for the men? When was the last time you prayed for your man? And when was the last time you prayed for your fellow man? I'm telling you, I, I see it all the time. The devil loves it. He loves it when the man stays home. He loves it when the men leave. He loves it when the men are disrespected. And it is a battle that so often it seems like he's winning. But I just want to assure you the godly men are still out there. And Christ is still calling men to lead his church. Christ is still calling men to lead their families. So men, step up. Step up and be the leaders that you were called to be. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. Now listen to me. There's a lot of people that are putting on a good show. And as a matter of fact, I believe there's a lot of preachers that are putting on a good show. There's a lot of pre preachers and there's a lot of deacons. There's a lot of fathers. There's a lot of sons that are pretending to be a godly man. But the very truth of the matter, you can't fight to be a godly man if you don't know him. You, can't, you cannot have a relationship with your wife like Jesus has a relationship with church if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And I'm going to go back to the very beginning. How do, why do men not have that relationship with Jesus? It's because they refuse to sacrifice that pride. The devil uses your pride. He uses your strength against you. And you fight it like crazy. But I'm just telling you the most loving thing, the most manly thing you can do for your wife, for your country, for the church, for anything in the world. The most manly thing you can do is give your life to Jesus Christ right now, right here today. The most manly thing you can do is come up in that baptistry and say, no more Satan. I'm in it to win it. I'm fighting. I'm giving my life to you. That is the most manly thing you can do. And it's time that we lead by example men and women you cannot submit to your godly husband if you have not submitted to God first
You can't do it. There's a reason that Paul went in this order here. There's a reason that, that he went Jesus, dad, husband, mother, wife, and then he goes to children. You cannot submit, you cannot submit to a godly husband if you haven't submitted to God first. Like we said a few weeks ago, the, the, the most important commandment, the first commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart. Have you done that? Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I hope you'll like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And I hope you know if you're a godly man, you're so very worth fighting for. And I hope you'll fight for that godly man in your life. Have a great week and thanks for listening.